Well, welcome everybody. Episode yeah. 24. And guess welcome who's here? John. Good to be here. Always fun. Yeah. John Peters is spending the day with us. We just had <laughs> an eventful day. Yeah. I don't know if you can see uh, back here the, the bending form or uh, fixture, I guess we're calling it. Yeah. Had one semi-successful bend, I'd say, yeah. and then one that looks slightly more successful. I think so. I think it's all going to work yeah. out. Yeah. yeah. But we'll see. We're going to take that out in, in a couple of days and see what it looks like. Yeah. Yeah. John's been part of our bubble, so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah there you go. I've been here a lot. We just we just finished a big project with SAS. Yeah. A couple of days ago, or a couple of weeks ago now. Yeah, that shipped out, I think, uh, maybe maybe a week ago. Yeah. Or, you know. That was a nice project. It was a lot of fun because we got to hang out. Yeah. But it's also a nice project to kind of be finished with <laughs> yeah it had a little bit of a lingering it well, lingered it, a little bit that aftertaste <laughs> there's re-edits yeah and there's and, and jeff and i had to do something really corny at the end oh, yeah. where uh it's a secret door so at the end of it we kind of sign off and walk through the secret door yeah but uh you do what you got to do sometimes Let's see. So I don't know if you guys have heard about this new Clubhouse thing. It's this new social media uh, app, I guess you would call it, where um, it's it's an audio-based thing. So someone can start a room, they're calling it, and they, they you could have multiple speakers. And, um, and then you can listen in. People can, like, raise their hand. So I'm actually... I just opened it up, and if people join in, they can actually... Not that... You're listening to this live, but um, giving you guys a rundown if you're listening. I just opened the app. I started the room, so people may join in, and they can, um, you know, add to the conversation. Oh, here we go. Matt's in here. Perfect. What's up, Matt? <laughs> Where's the voice come through? Your phone? Or? Yeah. Well, he'd have to raise his hand. And I see. So what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to prop prop my phone. Oh, here we go. Matt, talk to the people. You're live on the podcast. Hey, guys. Hey, hey. Matt. <laughs> That's awesome. This is our first uh, experience with Clubhouse. I'm excited. Thanks for the invite. Hey, man. You got to convince your buddy John to get on. Let's go. That's right. Matt gave me the invite. I was like... I don't know. I have to think about it. <laughs> anything technical. I'm always like, <laughs> wait, is my daughter going to be around to help me get on this this app? This is going to be the Your 12 year old. Uh, the test. That's right. I need a 12 year old next to me all the time. Yeah. Tell me how to work That's these things. Boy. That's all right. Yeah. Well, we're gonna we'll we'll get into the uh, the podcast. If you have anything to add, uh, raise your Let hands. us know. Yeah, we'll see if if uh, anybody else joins in. Hi, right, brother. Thanks for joining. Hey, good to hear from you, Matt. So, uh, John, as a guest, he decided to bring in the beer of the week this week. And, yeah. Uh, and see we're going to of us. What do we got? I think right. we've earned it already. Yeah, yeah oh, we did. <laughs> I'll just pass it around here. This is Twin Lights Brewing. They're right here. They're Thank local. You. It's like a new, um, the top thing. I haven't seen one yeah. that looks like that. Usually they're like, like a solid, or a solid plastic. Yeah. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Roberts. Oh, I've heard of them. They make the cans, I think. So this is an IPA. It's Double Vision by uh, Twin Lights Brewing. It smells and good. And I've had it. It's good. I like it. If you like IPAs. 
I like that kind of. Um, I don't know. How would you describe that? That color that of the beer. Amber. Yeah, I'd say that's like a. It's kind of cloudy though. What do they call that? Oh, hazy. Yeah, yeah. kind of hazy. That's that golden oak people Pil- love. Pilsner oat malt, flaked oats, Chinook, Simcoe, and Mosaic hops, and a house strain of yeast. Community inspired, care, share everywhere. Six and a half percent alcohol by volume. Yeah, two of these inspired. is about as much as you can. Yeah, these guys are local. <laughs> I think uh, the what the business is based out of Highlands, and then they're brewing in a couple different. I think it's up north. I was just reading the can. I forget uh, Hackensack. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a, a Bolero Snort. You ever heard of them? No. That's a brewery. I think that's maybe. Oh no. Okay, so this is at Ailmentary Brewing is where they brew it. I think they've brewed at that place, Bolero Snort. Well, cheers. Yeah, cheers. Cheers, gentlemen. Before we tell, well, we might be able to get a toast in there without spilling. Pretty yeah, close. Got, no, I spilled. This, this table sees. <clears throat> I like that. It tastes mighty <sighs> fine. Yeah. Deserved. Well deserved today. Yeah. I worked out well. I was. I was impressed when I <laughs> excuse me when I saw the wood bend. I was like, "Wow, it's really bending." Yeah, <laughs> and it, it you know it really doesn't take a whole lot of force because you know you, Rob had to push that one side all the way up to get it clipped in. I know, and it's all it obviously all comes down to the soaking for ten or fifteen yeah. days that yeah. you and some of that old man strength. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I gotta give it to uh, to Craig Silent Silent Mill. Yeah, I mean, he's been right. a huge help. It's amazing how helpful people are on Instagram. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. it's definitely a great thing. I've been going to school from you and uh, Garrett Lund over at... Uh, Garrett, like I said, he's a beast. Garrett's a beast. and uh, He's he a gave real estate me... agent, and then he's like busting out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the doors and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. Plus, he's a beast at the gym. The guy's like working out all the time. Yeah, he's yoked. So he was telling me with the undermount um, drawer slides... For half inch, he makes the opening or the drawer five eighths of an inch smaller than the opening. Mm-hmm. You Makes use sense. three quarter, yeah. and you make it three eighths yeah. smaller. Yeah. I used five eighths, and I made it a half of an inch. Hmm. But when you when you read the instructions, or if you go online, there's anytime I get into millimeters, I just sort of yeah. check out. Kevin <laughs> Kevin Pardelli, he actually uh, he's up in um, I forget where in Canada. Um, but he put up a, a like a, one of those long posts on Instagram the other day about calculating that. And it, I think he gave the Imperial conversions. Okay. He's one of those Canadians that uses Imperial. Huh. Hmm. I don't know what they call those. It's like a Mennonite. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to turn the heat down. Yeah, it's warm. Um, yeah, the community online has been great. I mean, very supportive of the podcast. Very supportive. Whenever we've had a question, we've reached out, and even it feels like we've known you, John, forever. Yeah, like that. We've been friends for so long. I guess because we just, you know, hit it off. But that's how we met. Sure, sure. Well, I met this right. Yeah. Well, that's the nice thing, and it's it's really nice for me because I haven't really known many people in the Instagram, YouTube world until maybe a year ago. I started to reach out a little bit more. And then I used to follow Jeff, and then this this whole job worked out. And I think the nice thing is, 
it opens up my mind to other projects. I'm meeting with a builder next week, and I'm always a lot of big projects. I don't want to. I can't do. I'm one guy, and really my focus is on teaching. Yeah. So when I meet with Jack next week, now knowing you guys, I'm thinking, okay, is this a project? Is this a project we can film? You know, what could happen here? Yeah, it's it's nice. So I found that uh, maybe unlike some things in the past, in years past, everybody's willing to share. Yeah. And um, I don't think there's an alternative. <laughs> I don't think there's an alternative. When I first started making YouTube videos, a friend of mine who's a house painter He's like, John, you're telling everybody how to do everything. I said, if I don't say it, somebody else will. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, because there's really no secrets anymore. I mean, yeah. like, I remember an old timer told me if I'm going to put down polyurethane, put the, he would put his polyurethane in a, in a ice chest. So hmm. it took longer to uh, dry and then it leveled out a little bit more. Wow. And so you get all these little things that are not really on the back of the can. That's right. You know, but they work. Yeah, and, like, we're not selfish. We, like, our end game is always for the client. Yeah. So, like, whatever's best for the client, we want. And even if they're not our client and someone else is doing the work, like, I still want those people to have the best thing. So who am yeah. I to withhold these, quote, unquote, secrets and deprive other people of getting a better product? You know what I mean? Yeah. For sure. So, like, I have no problem giving away any information that... I think in general, people who are in this little boat of sort of craftsmanship and um, an eye towards uh, all, all these uh, somewhat um, maybe esoteric values of uh, goodwill <laughs> and all that, we're very supportive of one another. Yeah. If somebody else has the job. We don't think of it as a job we didn't get. We want to help them. Absolutely. You, yeah. you can't think of it as competition. It's just trying to help everybody. And you feel, yeah. and life is short. And you just, it's like the golden rule of, you know, just do the right thing and don't be a jerk. If we lose a job to another good cabinet shop or furniture builder. Yeah, we're happy for them. Yeah. If and we it lose it to around. a hack, it's different. Yeah. Because then you, you're like, man, this guy's getting screwed. The client's getting screwed. Yeah. And that's what I care about the most. Yeah, like yeah. maybe it's my service industry background where I'm always worried about the end end customer. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just hate seeing people get the wool pulled over on them, you know? Yeah. Well, I think when you work with somebody good and you've had that training, it's sort of, you can't ignore it. No. And I know, I mean, I learned everything that I do from my old boss. And uh, he was just a really talented guy with a very high... Uh, expectation for for good work you know and i think i've said it before he wasn't easy to work for but he was a good <laughs> boss yeah that's it's like having a, a tough parent and you grow up and that's you what know you need. You, you're like you've man got, they were right <laughs> yeah <laughs> it takes about 30 years to figure that out 100 percent, 100 percent. that's yeah. why everybody else is a shithead and i'm i'm actually a good person <laughs> should, should we ask john about the tool of the week yeah yeah so this is a simple one. I, you know, I'm looking around the shop. I'm thinking, what am I going to bring? What has some value to me? What do I use? Mm -hmm. What do I reach for? This is my push stick. I love it. So this push stick is um, a total copy of my my boss. Uh, I started working there in maybe 1986 or so, and um, haven't worked for him in more than 30 years. But anyway, I traced this one day. I may have cut it out in the shop at his house, or maybe I had a bandsaw at the time. I don't know. 
cut out a band, cut out a push stick, and uh, I've been using a version of it ever since. So, mm-hmm. you know, the push stick gets beat up a little bit. I make another one. I usually have two or three hanging around. You can see I often yeah, shave them down right. a little bit. Oh yeah, and that just allows me to get a little bit closer to the blade. I always make them out of Baltic birch. Generally, always half inch. And the reason why I like this as opposed to some of the bigger ones that you see yeah, is I just like the visibility. Yeah. I love, I like to be able to see where the material is, where the blade is, and uh, That's it works. That's a nice shape. I was going to ask you if yeah, that was Copy yours. it if you want. <laughs> yeah. Take yeah. a tracing. Yeah. We, we have several different varieties here, but in general, the push stick is a brilliant idea. Oh, yeah. Um, the 11th finger. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that fits nicely in your... Your saw fence too. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Exactly. That's good. Yeah, it's yeah. no wider than the the two rails. Exactly. Like that's spider. generally where it goes. But since I got the saw stop and uh, saw stop was nice enough to send that to me, I try not to junk it up anymore. <laughs> Usually, that area of my saw fence is full of pencils and drill bits and so things you can like see that. The logo nice yeah. So and now I'm trying to make sure that uh, anybody can. See. And I, I'm a. I would recommend, and I don't work for Saw Stop, but they no. did send me the saw. Uh, but I always recommend the Saw yeah. Stop because yeah. Oh, yeah. we yeah. have one too, right? Back well, you <laughs> that was the that was the main thing. I said I gotta really try to get a Saw Stop in here because, um, I mean, more than half the people I know have tagged their finger or hand, yeah. including me. Mine was my left hand um, more than twenty years ago, but it's just a. You know, so uh, yeah. to be able to have that technology. Yeah. Well, your other saws are Powermatic. I love it. And our other saws are Unisaw, two, probably the two most ubiquitous machines, right? Yeah, while they were still made in the U.S., I'm sure yours was made in U.S. Yeah, that, that's got to be 25 years old, that yeah. saw. Um, and uh, actually, I'm not sure about <clears throat> is this one. I don't know. It's, yeah, it's, it's like a prob- 2003, I think. It might be like a Taiwanese. Yeah. Um, but we both favor our new saw stops. Yeah. The saw is just so smooth. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was it. Yes, I'm interested in the safety. Mm-hmm. But if it was a safe saw that wasn't good, I would have no use for it. Yeah, right. But it just feels nice mm-hmm. yeah. pushing wood through it. Yeah, it's it just, co- I mean, it is solid. And we both have the industrial. Yeah. I mean, it's a the base is, it's massive. It is. Um, and it's when you turn it on, it's like it's very quiet. Yeah, it's just like a little little <laughs> whir, you know. Um, and you make cuts that you might have not made, which I don't know is a good thing or a bad thing. But you make cuts that you may have either felt very nervous about or may not have made, you know, had you had just a regular saw. Well, one of the things I really like about it is I can because I'm often making videos, mostly I can stop the saw mid cut and there's no vibration. There's no, there's nothing. So the kerf remains the same. Mm-hmm. I can change the angle back the piece of wood up a little bit and start it up again. If I were to do that with my powermatic, when the, sh- when the saw <clears throat> engages its break, it gives a little vibration and it bangs the kerf out. Mm-hmm. So it's just a really, you know, I can't say enough about the, yeah. uh, the saw stop. And I, I just recommend it to everybody because <laughs> It's um, it's, it's a solid it. saw and yeah. it's safe. Yeah. yeah. How safe. much more is it then? How much more is a is a comparable saw made by Paramatic? Um, what do we pay for this? Thirty five hundred bucks. Was that it? 
And then this, I think it was like 4,500 altogether with the, or maybe so it was it's 50, really maybe it was 5,500. <clears throat> yeah, I think it was 5,000 something. So um, it's maybe like a $4,000 saw, we'll call it, before tax. And that's with your 52-inch fence. Yeah, yeah. So And the, uh, you know, it comes with a, a, like a, I don't know what you would call that, not an outfeed table, but a side, a table yeah. that... Extension. Right, an extension table that goes the entire 52 inches. Yeah. And so... If this is four thousand, is that what you're saying? Without that, uh, right. so what is the Powermatic more? about? Um, I don't know about Powermatic. Like a Grizzly, maybe two thousand, fifteen hundred okay. bucks. But the Unisaw. But, but again, it's probably not like this is an industrial saw. Yeah, like that's probably comparable to the uh, Professional Series saw stop, um, which are I don't know, maybe a thousand bucks less. Well, it's funny the. Um, Eric over at Saw Stop was asking me, why did I go for the three horsepower instead of the five horsepower? And my feeling was, if three horsepower is good enough for Green Street Joinery, it's good enough for me. <laughs> and I've been using a three horsepower yeah. uh, motor in my Powermatic yeah. for all these years, cutting eight quarter oak, never yeah. had a problem. I mean, I've taken, I had the uh, three horsepower Delta over there, the Unisaw, and I had the Dado stack at a full seven ace. And I was taking, I don't remember what the hell I was making, but a f- deep cut, it didn't bog down at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, three horsepower is, is good. Yeah. Who Hook up watch? to 220. Yeah, yeah. When we were thinking about it, we watched a video and we were like, Rob we, Cosman. Yeah, we, we watched the video and go, we have to get this on. That's what he said. He goes, I got the three horsepower because you're never going to need five horsepower um, if you're, you know, just. In a regular shop, there's no need for it. And, and we work in all hardwood. Like, yeah. I mean, it's all oak and and walnut, poplar, cherry. I mean, all that stuff. Yeah, so, so. That's pretty much what I use. Yeah. I use like five different species almost always. Yeah. Yeah, we're mostly cherry, sapili, white oak, some walnut. And we um, use maple as our secondary. Yeah, most I mean, maple's hard. Yeah, maple's hard. It's not my favorite wood. No. No, I'm not a big fan. Well, we better get into... Uh, oh, I have a guest tool of the week. Our buddies over at uh, Grip6, when yeah. Manny was here, episode 11. <laughs> That's right. His tool of the week was the belt, the Grip6 belt. Um, it's like a buckleless belt that goes in, and it's completely hidden. Yeah. So they sent us a couple pairs of socks. Wow. Actually, this is Manny's pair. I'm wearing mine today. Um, these are uh, merino wool... The I'll give you a little spiel here on the back because it gives you a good um, a good uh, background on the socks. We start with locally sourced fine micron Ramboyette. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Merino wool, allowing us to develop the best blend to maximize the comfort and functionality of our socks. Our antimicrobial wool is entirely processed in the USA, then delivered to our mill in Utah, where we knit our socks from the ground up. Wool is an organic moisture wicking machine. It's also an incredible insulator, even when wet. The natural moisture management regulates temperature and improves airflow, keeping your feet dry and comfortable all day long. So these are, um, and then it says on the side, designed, manufactured, and assembled right here in Utah. Our unrivaled commitment to quality and our hands-on manufacturing approach allow us to offer a promise to every customer who uses our products. If we made it, we'll stand by it for life. Nice. So 100% made in the USA. Kind of like that. Guaranteed for life. Uh, I'm like a regular sock kind of guy, like just like regular cotton, like Under Armour socks. These are super comfortable. They're uh, they're th- like 
I wouldn't say they're thin, but they're they're thin for wool socks. I feel, but they have like a lot of cushion to them. Yeah. Huh. Um, I didn't realize they were wool because they they don't have any kind of scratchiness. No, to them at no, all. they're they're very soft. Um, I think that that's a whole new thing with wool. I think that we have the impression of the old itchy wool sweater. Yeah. And I think today they're doing something different with wool. I'm old enough to where I have the wool hiking socks that like get comp- there's no elastic in them at all. <laughs> I'm going to take a picture of this. I'm, yeah, they're I'm nice. Get these. I don't know what they um what they retail for. I'll put a link in the description. I well. like socks. Um, I'll put a link to John's push stick and uh, he's going to be selling them for twenty four ninety nine. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I do have a free pattern. You can find these. I'll I'll send it oh, to cool. you. Oh, yeah. cool. Yeah. There's um there's a thing that you can print out on my website. I just got to find That's the awesome. link. I use a version of like the John Hines one. You can see him hanging up right there. I don't use a pattern anymore because I kind of it's like ingrained. There you in go. My yeah, head. that's nice. Yeah, John's great. I'm a big fan of John's. That one's getting a little thin. There you go. You've you've gone through it. Yeah, because I'll I'll recut the notch in the bottom a couple times. But yeah. I like that like full bearing on the top. That's the style I like. I might have to I might have to take a tracing of this because <laughs> I'm so used to this. I mean, I like that. Uh-huh. I like having my index finger right there. Yeah. But you know, it's a little you're a little bit higher. Because mm-hmm. you're down here like this with this one. You can really get some good downward pressure. That's the other thing. Like that's that's a good thing because you can keep that. I will say that on a thin piece it can want to pop a little bit. Yeah. What but, I'll do there too is actually sort of rotate my wrist towards the fence and yeah, it'll, it'll drive give it in. that yeah. pressure towards the fence. That's how I've taken to using it. Too. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna take a tracing of that if you don't mind, because that would be nice to have around. And you know, it's it's nice to make your own because then you can cut through them like you can see oh, the, yeah. the bottom of that. I good. can't I can't even imagine. Like cause <laughs> my saw obviously obviously came with a push stick. Yeah, I'm never gonna use it. I don't know what we, we did with ours. It's the same exact yeah. I mean I, okay. I'm gonna give I'm giving the saw stop a high mark. Yeah. I'm not giving the push stick a high mark. Now, I mean I had this Bosch, thing just looks weird. The uh, Bosch job site table saw, you know, it comes with a red one that looks kinda like that. And I actually hit it into a blade before and it was like very scary like it, it shattered it, it exploded into a million pieces so um i'd say you want something that's cuttable yeah definitely <laughs> yeah yeah uh, i'll just uh i'll add something on these socks i'm like one of those thick sock wearing guys like the kind of old wigwams you know, yeah i used to wear those in the fox <laughs> river now i've been wearing the duluth version of those for a long time so like this thin kind of sock it, it feels a little weird but the footbed of this sock it's cushy it's more cushy than the, no, I'm the really thick curious. socks i wear i'm really curious about that um, i'm definitely gonna that was my very first impression and they do leave your feet a bit cooler yeah they don't fall down your your leg no, at all no they, I, haven't pull, I haven't pulled these up all day oh man these are uh, what do you call these crew socks? I guess so. And they're like they come halfway up your yeah. ankle, wow. your shin. Yeah. And then I think they have a couple other. So how did you find out about them? So Manny, our buddy Manny, he was on episode eleven, and uh, his tool of the week was the Grip Six belt. That's where they started was making belts. I think they make a couple different things now: belts, socks, maybe something else. Um, and he sent them the clip. From the podcast, and they were like, "Man, that's totally awesome! You guys want to try some socks?" Wow! And as I sent them to us, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. 
I like that they're made in America too. I mean, we're yeah. big proponents of that because. Well, that's like the pants that you guys wear. Yeah. Yeah, 1620. <laughs> I don't have them on today, but. Yes. Or expensive $200 pants. pants. <laughs> but you get what you pay for. It's yeah. no different than furniture or anything. And we're know? supporting a real job. Yeah, right? well, that's like Vermont that's, Glove. Yeah, it's important. I like. Uh, I like the guys up there at Vermont Glove in Randolph, Vermont. They make the funny thing is, Sam makes the gloves, and his brother is a goat farmer. <laughs> and the gloves are made out of goat skin. Oh, wow. Goat skin is better for gloves because it doesn't shrink like leather does. Huh. So they'll make they make gloves for linemen. They make ah. really good working gloves. Have to check that out. Yeah. Yes, there. I was doing an interview with Miles, the brother who's a goat farmer. And they also sell goat meat, and they call it Chavon, because that's what they call it in France. Yeah. Is it C-H-A-V-O-N? Don't ask me how to spell. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're right, though. I think I've heard that before. I'm sure you are. Um, but it was funny, because I'm making the video, and, you know, you got all these cute goats running around. <laughs> and then, you know, some I forget what it was. It was like, it. oh, I know what he was talking He goes, he was saying how the goats are just a much more profitable animal and way to farm than than cattle because generally you have two females that will be born and they uh so then you have two milking yeah. animals and you generally do have twins and then uh then if you have a male then you have meat mm -hmm. and then when they're done you have gloves <laughs> and, mm. and i just was like oh man i'm gonna have to figure out how to cut this because this is just like not gonna come out well the city folk can't yeah they can't, can't they, you know they're thinking of goat stuff. yoga or something yeah, yeah. Yeah. they're not thinking about you know goat gloves uh, yeah goat cheese <laughs> yeah yeah no i didn't know that the, they were made from goat hide uh and you'll notice that the seams are on the outside mm -hmm. which yeah. which makes this the uh, gloves more comfortable on the oh, inside yeah. Yeah. and you can get a stronger seam hmm Interesting, interesting. Fun fact of the so, day. Uh, John, you're a guest, and as such, you are entitled to the gripe of the week. Okay. <laughs> so anybody who watches uh, or, or watches my Instagram stories knows that I'm a pretty avid hiker and mountain biker. And since COVID, the amount of hikers in the woods have just increased exponentially. And uh, my big pet peeve is people who walk their dogs and then pick up their dog uh shit <laughs> in with, no other way to say yeah, it <laughs> with a plastic bag but instead of taking it out of the woods leave a plastic bag full of dog shit on oh, the trail so what's the point in that I, that's what i mean i'd rather just be off the road so yeah. off to the side of the trail and yeah. let it biodegrade but now you have a plastic bag and I would say every hike I go on, I see at least one or two of those, maybe more. And uh, I just, um, it definitely is one of those things. So you you could say, well, this person's going to pick it up later. Maybe they're doing a loop, but mm -hmm. it just doesn't you happen. You wouldn't see him if... I wouldn't see him that yeah, way, yeah, yeah. So anybody who hikes probably knows what I'm talking about. That's, yeah. uh, that is a, a good gripe. I mean, we did one early on, I remember. I can't remember whose it was. It was probably mine because I did them all in the beginning. It was about littering. Yeah, I don't like you littering know, at all. You know, the people throw stuff out of the car. Yeah, I'm picking up stuff um, on my my property all the time. The, a good book, uh, Walking Softly Through the Wilderness. You might even know it, John. I've heard of it, but I'm going to have to. But it's all about, about, you know, it's one of those 
books from the seventies. Leave only footsteps, kind of deal. Exactly, you know, you know or footprints. Really, that's that's the way you got to look at this. Especially, um, it's bad enough in urban environments, but in the yeah, like just take a stick and like fling it into the woods or something. <laughs> yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, my feeling is if you're gonna bring your dog, I'd rather just. You know, exactly. Yeah. Just take it off the trail. Just kick it yeah. off the trail. It's It'll probably go. better than even putting it in a bag and throwing it away because that bag's still yeah. not going to biodegrade no. wherever it goes. That's exactly yeah. how but, I feel. I mean, the woods, it's full of animal. Well, yeah. the funny thing, too, is there's definitely a huge difference between dog shit and horse shit. And you'll see horse shit all the time in the yeah, woods. Manure. But that, manure. That, there yeah. you go. Now I, can, <laughs> now I can sound a little bit more sophisticated. Um Manure is a, a much different thing because they're just eating hay and grass, yeah. and it just sort of becomes part of the trail. Yeah, dogs. Don't there's nothing fun about here. dog. Sh- <laughs> there's nothing fun about dog shit having no. getting stuck on your front no. tire of your bicycle. Oh, man. I mean, because you know if, it, if you, you got it, smell it the whole ride. And it, fenders? No, <laughs> and it's gonna and it's gonna like fly up when you start going down a hill. Oh. But. Um, but I think the worst thing to do is put it in a bag and uh, and leave it on the trail. Yeah, that's bad. Yeah. Oh. We talked about it. I forget how we got there. Who knows? Because we, you know, we getting on these tangents. People used to throw them into the dumpsters on uh, jobs, like when I was working as a finished carpenter. We would go into the dumpsters and organize, you know, oh, line yeah. everything up so yeah. you could get more in there, and and you'd end up stepping on it. Oh, yeah, aye, 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 yeah, it's aye. crazy. Well, you know, generally speaking, somebody never had to deal with it. Otherwise, yeah. they would they wouldn't do it. People are selfish. See. Yeah, that's a good gripe. Yeah, I love it. I well, I'll add one it. more. The other thing I see in the woods now are masks. Really? Yeah, yeah. flinging them off. I just I'll see one or two masks. You know, I'll even see them. Uh, I think I saw them in the ocean over the summer. You nice. know, which is always a bummer. That's like the mylar balloon. Yeah. Oh right, my you can god. You go 100 miles. We went 100 miles offshore fishing and and you know there's balloons floating in the water yeah. out there. I'm not a big balloon fan for that reason. No. Like don't release balloons into the air. <laughs> I'm really like they do come down. Yeah. I'll I'll say things to my daughter. You know, she's only 12 now. And so even when she was younger, she would ask for a balloon or something. I'd say, well, you don't really want a balloon. It's going <laughs> to probably choke a dolphin, isn't it? Oh, 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 oh. She, she <laughs> hasn't slept well since. Well, she knows I'm teasing her. <clears throat> it's going to kill a unicorn. Yeah, exactly. And she would say something about like a, a straw or whatever, and I would say... That straw is just going to get stuck in some poor turtle's nose. You know that. Because you know what happens. They see these viral videos and it sticks in her mind. But she's a really smart kid. I can kind of tease her and she knows that I'm not being real. I mean, it is pretty true, though. It is. So it's kind of like giving a little bit of lesson, but, you know, teasing her at the same time. Like you can have a balloon or a straw, but just know that there is potential for it. And do you really need one? Right. Yeah. <laughs> consider, you know, consider the uh, the consequences, potential consequences. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm I'm like an old minimalist, so yeah. I'm like a no fun person. <laughs> I really am. Yeah, I want to throw everything out of my house. To be honest, yeah. less is more. Yeah, that's for sure. Look at that. We got somebody else in the audience. We have uh, Brendan. Welcome, Brendan. What's going hey. on, Brendan. Um, well, let's not waste any time. We we yeah, uh, we, we started a, a new segment. Yeah, we got a four pager today. Um, new segment, which is book of the week or the month or the undetermined uh, period of time, because we're not sure how uh, <laughs> what we're gonna be able to keep up with. Yeah, yeah. with the book thing. But uh, Rob's got that this week. So what do you got? All right. Well, 
I have a bit of a, a magazine, I'll call it, in, in lieu of a book. It's uh, published by Fine Woodworking, and this is called uh, 102 Contemporary Designs, mm-hmm. and it's essentially a picture book. Yep. It's got a lot of really nice color photos in it, and it's something that Fine Woodworking would publish, you know, probably not even once a year. Um, and the reason I, I brought it out here is it's, if, you could, if you're watching, it's essentially a picture book of all these sort of gallery-type pieces of work. And this one's um, centered on, on modern design. You know, there's lots of stuff out there on the stickly and the green and green. Mm-hmm. Um, and I call them gallery pieces because it's it's sort of like a piece of furniture that uh, unless they have some sort of really exemplary kind of client that's money is no object, you can't really spend the time to do a piece like this and make money at it. You know, this is something that, you know, uh, that we couldn't build a piece like this and charge enough for and get paid for it. But it gives you inspiration. Yeah. And we've been asked about that before, inspiration. I can see really enjoying that book. Yeah. Because you might look at one design and then you might say, okay, well, I can use an example of this in a different part. Yeah, just take a little little piece of it. Yeah. And they're all nice, you know, photos on background. Look look at that. That is beautiful. uh, Right. Backdrops, rather. Incredible work. Incredible workmanship. A lot of really interesting stuff. See, this is something that I really like because yeah. I try, like, to me, that's pretty simple. Yeah. You know, it's not. It's obviously <laughs> harder yeah. than it looks, but, but it's, it's clean. It's on the simple side, but it's also very clean and would go like well. On the back I, there, there's a, uh, you see that through tenon, like, coffee table. This with one here? Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's. And I, I like that aesthetic. I, I think even with, like, this chair. Yeah. I'm a bigger fan of this chair, if you can see that, than I am of some of the more complex chairs because mm-hmm. I just like the simplicity of it. The way that back is angled, I bet it's very comfortable. Mm-hmm. It's got a cushioned seat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going to have to take a picture of that. Cool. I'm going to yeah. definitely take a picture take that, of this. Yeah, on. on the back, there's like a... Creden- I might, if you don't mind, I'll borrow this. Yeah, yeah. A low credenza on the back with uh, like... Just this, yeah, Super very clean. clean. It just has some some angled kerfs and these little metal legs. And the look, I mean, look at the integrated poles. And I like the angled kerfs, and I also think it could work without them. Yeah. Right, you know, and that's the kind of thing where, and because I I think about paintings and I think about walls, and you know, where's the painting going to sit on the wall? That piece of Furniture is still going to allow for a large painting. There you go. Do you know the artist Kenneth Nolan? No. Kenneth, you would love Kenneth Nolan, I think. He he would do like very bleeding, uh, like uh, canvas, raw canvas pieces. For craftsmen with the... Yeah. yeah, that's nice. With like the peened copper. I wouldn't say that's modern. Maybe but the use a, of the a, copper in there. Yeah, modern interpretation of a uh, prairie style bed. Yeah, it's it's a great thing for. I definitely would like to borrow that for yeah, a little while. Yeah, uh, I'll probably when, come back when you cut some more on this. Yeah, so I'll do that. I'll borrow it, it and I'll come back when I do that, that video. I've had 
had that for at least 10 years. I was going to say. When yeah, I'll be careful out. with it. I know how. I I can see the value in something like that. That's going to be something that. And you can see the pages are well. Do you know what? Um, there are people that you can let people. There are people who you can let borrow tools or things like that. And then there yeah. are people that you can't. Yeah. You find that out when you get all, you know what I mean? Through time. The hard way. Yeah. You find that out the hard way. Exactly. Yeah. That's going to be great. That's yeah. going to be a great resource. Cause you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to shoot some pictures with go. my phone. Like I love that chair. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. That so chair probably, is not that chair is not an easy chair to make. No, no you could probably find this on uh, eBay or something. Fine woodworking furniture, 102 contemporary designs, and I'm sure they have. Uh, they put out probably a different one, whatever year, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, take Je take uh, what Jeff just said, all that information, and search it because this is definitely worth having yeah. in your library. And it says twelve ninety nine, so it's probably you probably get it for like four bucks now. You know, used. That's right. You know, I bought that at Barnes and Noble up at Malmdale. Mm. Yeah, it's a good buy. These are the things that I need to buy more of because I find when you look at something like this, you really do get inspired. And we were talking yeah. about going to museums, mm -hmm. yeah. and um, I went to the Shaker Museum in Hancock a few years ago, and I remember coming back like, "Wow, I'm really ready to to do something." We were talking about maybe going to Falling Water yeah. or something. Yep. Um, but yeah, it's, it's great to, it's, it's no different than being a musician and covering mm -hmm. someone else's song. That's mm -hmm. right. You don't have to copy the song entirely. You could take a section of it. Let's face it. There's nothing that's really completely no, original. No, We're always standing on other people's shoulders. It's all been done. Yeah. yeah. That's a good way to put it. But that's what you hear. And I mean, in the art world, they'll always go like things are derivative Right? right, so that's kind of supposed to be kind of uh, an insult. Oh. <laughs> um, I think that you're going to see, you know, in painting, you're going to see, you know, oh, that's been done before. But you take it somewhere else. Yeah. You know, it's just. It's, I mean, how many Da Vinci's are there? And a, and another thing is, what's better, um, originality or good? So like, you can make an original piece of garbage. Or you can make something that's good. <laughs> yeah, like we can't all be uh, expected to be like visionaries. Yeah. Right. So we take, you know, what's been done and put our own spin on it. Mm. And, it, you know, it might be pretty good, but we're not all capable of being a, a no. groundbreaking no. furniture maker or artist or musician, or but we can still be damn good at That's the thing, do, doing your best work. You ever hear that, that Prairie Home Companion? He used oh, to be yeah, a, part of that, yeah. He would always say, like, do your best work. Or no, do good, do your best work is Acme Tools. Do good work was that guy, uh, Garrison Keeler from, and I always thought that's a good one. Yeah. Do good work. Makes you feel good. Yeah. Yeah, we all try to do that. Yeah. I know the three of us. Are we going to launch into the questions? Yeah, we got a lot of them this week. We got... <laughs> I'll say three full pages. The last yeah. page doesn't really have anything on it. Uh, so th this first set is, um, these are questions that went directly to John's page, and they're more uh, aimed at him. So we'll start out with those. Um, how do you wash your mountain bike in the winter after shutting off the water outside? From Danana Split on Instagram. <laughs> I like that name. <laughs> uh, generally, I try to ride my bike when the ground is frozen in the winter. I love those conditions. Great traction. It's pretty fast. You don't have to worry about any mud. And um, and you're only cold until halfway up the first hill. Mm -hmm. uh, if I do go out and get muddy, 
then it that means it's warm out and I've got one spigot where I can turn the water on with a little valve up in the ceiling and I'll do that and uh and I'll let it go a couple of days too. I don't mind having a dirty bike. It's not going to kill me. Um Yeah, I was going to say uh when I used to ride my bike, I never I never washed it off to be perfectly honest. Not that I was doing a lot of like muddy riding, but yeah, I just I just wash it off occasionally because it rides a little bit better, and then mm. I'll I'll do a little bit more, um, you know, make sure I lube the chain and just make sure that everything's tight and and good to go. I have ridden a few times where I'm like, what the hell's going on here? And the quick release have come came off on the back, <laughs> and I thought, okay, well, I need to pay a little <laughs> bit more attention here to the bike. Yeah, you know, I could chime in on this. It's uh, if you're interested in the clean bike in the wintertime. You can have a plumber come out like in our house here. We have all those long pet cocks that go. The the shutoff is actually inside the house. You know what I'm talking yeah. about? And then you can grab one of those 25 foot hoses that uh, shrink up to nothing. Yeah. And you could carry that in and out of the house. And that way there's no water left inside to freeze. So you can kind of access your water outside yeah i might want to try to do something like that because there's times where you know just turning on that little valve is it's a step it's not a big step but it's something that you have to do but you know it's funny though i've been noticing that your your um pond runs all year long yeah i got a little heater (laughs) you got a heater in the water yes wow I mean, today I filled up the bucket with water from the hose bib right there, and you know you just go. Yeah, because the petcock actually yeah. is like eighteen inches, so it's yeah. on the inside of the house. So it's nice. You just go, turn it on, it's ready to go, and then that's it. Yeah, maybe that's something I'll do. You know, it's I've like, seen those yeah. before. Yeah, yeah, it's like you know they're about that long. Um, yeah, we have a little heater in the pond so that the the water will run all year for the birds and everything like that's that. That's nice. I. My wife and my daughter have been after me to do some kind of a fountain or some kind of running water thing. It's nice to, because we're bird watchers and things like that. So it, having a water source is a big draw for, uh, you know, the birds. Absolutely. You'll see them in there washing themselves. It's just an enjoyable way to pass a quiet day. Yeah, especially when spring comes. You sit yeah. outside with lunch. Yeah. It's a nice sound. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I hear it immediately, and I get, I'm like, what's going on here? And then I realize you get the little... There's a frog, a, you know, big frog in there. Yeah. There's a turkey at the bird feeder one <laughs> yeah. day. Yeah, we had a turkey back here, believe wow. it or not. Yeah. I mean, we live next to a grocery store. Yeah. That's <laughs> <laughs> funny. Turkeys are actually really smart. I heard a whole thing on them. There's another podcast called Stuff You Should Know, <laughs> and they did a whole thing on turkeys. It yeah, almost makes you not fly. Want... Most people think that they can't fly for some reason, but turkeys do fly. Well, they sleep in trees. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah. They sleep in trees. They're roosting. They're, and they're very social, very, very social mm-hmm. animals. After listening to it, I was like, oh, you man. You don't want any turkey yeah, anymore. Like it was Thanksgiving kind of, is chicken from here on out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we still ate turkey, but I felt yeah. bad. It does taste good. Uh, <laughs> here's our next question from uh, Sydney Torres on Instagram. How do you clean the brush or roller after using contact cement? That's impossible, unless it's water-based. Mm-hmm. Uh, but solvent-based, I just throw them away. Yeah. yeah. Use like a chip brush or... I use a chip brush and I use maybe a mohair roller, mm-hmm. six-inch roller or something. And uh, sometimes I use a larger roller, but uh, yeah, that's just the way it is. Oh, but the trick is if you're if you're working, you know, you're using contact cement, putting veneer down, you're doing it for a day or two, you 
first of all, I line my paint trays with tinfoil mm. so I don't have to ruin the paint paint deal. That's a good tip. And then after I finish using the the roller, I go over the paint tray with the roller inside it and crimp everything down nice and tight, and the roller will not dry. It'll at least give you a day or two. Oh, yeah. yeah. I've done that with, like, a shopping bag. You put, like, a like a paint roller, you yep. know, if you're painting. I, I don't have a lot of uh, experience with, like, roll-on or, um, you know, that kind of contact cement in a thing, mostly spray-on. But yeah. um, with, like, paint, take a shopping bag, stick yep. the roller in there, wrap it up real tight, and, yeah, the next day you're good to go. Oh, with, yeah. a, with latex paint, yeah, you oh, could probably yeah. go a couple days. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I've done that, too, with the glue. Yeah. Roll it up nice and tight, mm-hmm. Ziploc bag even over it, and um, have pretty good luck with it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the kind of thing where... You just want to use that stuff and then be done with it. It's so <laughs> yeah, it's well, rough yeah, stuff. Right and it's it made away. to stick to things, so cleaning it's yeah. like I just don't want to be wasteful. That's the whole thing. I know it's kind of you feel, bad. but then you think like how you think about how much material you would waste trying to clean that out. Yeah, like, oh, let's use a, then where's a, a quart of lacquer thinner? Yeah. To clean this off. <laughs> oh my god! Even the thought of that starts <laughs> yeah. makes me a little sick. All right, you got the next one, Rob. Yeah, I'll read it. Um, this from Iron Woodworks Limited on Instagram. This is to John. I'm obsessed with the sage green cabinets in your shop. Do you remember the paint color? I'm pretty sure it's Bayberry Green from Benjamin Moore. There you go. Pretty sure. Yeah. I like Benjamin Moore. We're we're uh I'd say we're Benjamin Moore. Yeah. Mostly because they are nearby. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I've definitely had better uh, luck with the Benny Moore stuff yeah, versus yeah. Sherman Williams. If if we're talking about the two main, I guess main sort of yeah. brands, I like Benjamin Moore. The one thing that I'm not liking about Benjamin Moore is I feel like the cans rust pretty quickly. Hmm. Uh, so you can buy a can of paint to paint your, you know, your kitchen or whatever. Go to touch it up six months later, and then you've got rust around the mm. can. And then if you're opening the can, it falls like. A plastic can would go a long way for me. Yeah, like we have a can of polycrylic back there, Minwax polycrylic, and it's a plastic yep. plastic can. Because that's a Sherman Williams product. Oh, really? Pretty sure Minwax is Sherman Williams. Oh, wow. That stuff is, is pretty good. We've had we've had decent luck with it. Yeah, we put it on plywood of all sorts, yeah. and uh, we're always shocked. We always say, look at how good this turned out. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, li- I, I like polycrylic. M- mainly I've been using... Mohawk's pre-catalyst lacquer because mm-hmm. Mohawk's a sponsor of the show, mm-hmm. and I do really like it. Yeah. I've been using their products for twenty-five years or more, but uh, the polyacrylic is really good stuff. And the thing with uh, water-based lacquers or water-based polyurethanes is they don't give you that warm feel that you'll get uh, on a wood like a if you were to put lacquer on maple it kind of makes it yellow yellow yeah where or, or really i'm thinking of birch plywood mm-hmm. it makes it yellow where with the water base it's going to keep a very nice yeah. clear color nice. yeah it almost makes it a little more cool i feel like like it yeah. has like a little bit of like little, a bluish it might yeah bluish tint to it like it's weird it it lays out with that cloudy yep and, and then, then it, dries. it dries clear stands up really nice yeah like uh, what do we do? Danny's desk. Like yeah. that thing was, it was silk. This has polyacrylic on it. And this was just like, this is a general uh, water-based black. And you can see it got like super spotty in, in spots. I sanded through it, but um, cause I got really bad overlap 
um, which is why we don't use stain really, um, just because it's a pain. Um, but then this has the polycrylic on top, and it's I mean it's nice and smooth. You can yeah. see yeah. brush marks and stuff, but this was brushed. But on. you wouldn't get it if you sprayed it, right? It sprays nice, especially with a good sprayer. I've become a huge fan of the uh, Fuji spray system. That yeah, is nice. so nice. Yeah. Especially that Q5. It's so quiet. Because yeah. I was going from an old one, and it was just like, uh, <laughs> it was like starting up a shop vac. <laughs> you know? yeah. yeah, I have to say that that is a nice color green, though. Yeah. Thanks. It just kind of worked out. I was like, oh, I have this paint. I'll try it. And, I, you know. I like and I those think it's pale a, greens. Yeah. Yeah. You ever yeah, see think, the house? You're driving down the road and you go, man, they must have had a sale on the color of that paint. Like, oh, my God. Like why would anybody paint their house that color? Yeah. I, like um, a pink house. Yeah. The corner like, of Hans and um, River Road in Fairhaven. The purple house. Oh, yeah. I know. Yeah. Man, is that ugly? Like, why? Purple <laughs> and like the gutters are blue or something that. It's so funny that you brought up gutters. I've got a question, an aesthetic question here. I'm putting a new roof and new gutters on my house. I'm using the uh, like the Timberline three-dimensional mm-hmm. roof. It's a brick house, and I don't like the white gutters. They look really yeah. dated, yeah. and I don't like... More than the white gutters is the white downspouts. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking of going bronze, yeah. which is basically brown. Yeah, yeah. With the with the bronze gutter, would you still paint the fascia board white, or would? Hmm. Because you're going to see like three quarter, depending on how it's, you know, tilted for yeah. the water. You might not see very much of. You're it. not going to see. Then I thought, should I go aluminum over the fascia board? Yeah, you could get the matching PVC color, the PVC coated aluminum. Yeah, so. That's just one of the, like, when you're going to do a, like, that's a big project for me. I'm not doing the roof myself, but it's no. an expensive thing. It doesn't pay the two. There's two, there's two roofs on it. Yeah. So, oh, so they're going to be, they're going to be ripping roofs yeah. off. Uh, there's some soffit work. Probably three-eighths plywood on there, on the roof. Three-eighths? No, I think it's like at least five-eighths. Yeah. It's pretty heavy. It's, the house was built in the 60s. Yeah. I'm. I'd be surprised if it's three eighths, but I'll let you know. Yeah, it's funny because the guy came to give me an estimate, and I think they do good work and all. Um, but he, I was telling him about the soffit. I said this little bit of soffit needs to be replaced, and that does. And he goes, "Yeah, we'll use quarter inch for that." I'm like, "Quarter inch?" I said, "I think it's half inch." And uh, he, I asked him three times, "Are sure it's not half inch?" And he kept saying quarter inch. <laughs> then when I got the um, because I'm thinking like little quarter inch plywood, you know, that you get in the store. And then when I got the estimate, it said half inch. Okay. That makes sense, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, quarter inch. Quarter inch is like, anything quarter inch. Yeah, especially not outside. Yeah, I mean, it does. The soffit doesn't get any weather because it's the soffit. You yeah. know, if your gutters are working correctly, mm-hmm. it'll be. So anyway, that's good. I just wanted to kind of get an idea of that. I think go bronze. Did you wind up going with Garden State? Did I did. Out? Yeah, they came out. And he's a really nice guy. I just think he... Was it Steven? No, it wasn't. No. It was Pete. Okay. Yeah. And then me. Really, really nice guy. Yeah. They're but very I, thorough. I, I, well, this here's another technical question. I've got a gigantic um, vent on my roof mm-hmm. because there's no ridge venting. Yeah. They're going to put ridge venting in. Yep. It's a six-pitch six pitch roof. 
And I'm thinking I can get rid of that. I'm just going to get rid of that vent. Yeah. Because they, they gave me a price with That's the vent. That's a squirrel door, you know. I know. Everything. <laughs> I don't want... We got a gable vent here with the squirrels. They go in and out all day. Yeah. Uh, squirrels. I like squirrels unless they're in my house. I have them in my house. They, they oh, my God. Too. It's bad. Yeah. No, it's not good having a squirrel. It's no. not good having any animal in your house. No. Except, you know, a domesticated animal. Yeah, even that's not that great. No, it's hard. <laughs> I've got a cat. So, like, out of nowhere, we got a cat. And I actually like the cat. It's funny. I'm allergic to cats. So, for some reason, I'm not allergic to this cat. <laughs> I go to my brother's house. He has two cats. I can't breathe. Huh. Hypoallergenic. It's, and he's right from the pound. Mm-hmm. Just worked out. Oh, good. Seven, seven toes. Oh wow! Yeah, he's, uh, I didn't know what a thing was, but this is obviously, uh, or this is actually a thing. He's a Hemingway cat. Hemingway. Oh, from apparently Hemingway um, collected seven toe or six anything with more than five toes. Yeah. So now dactyly they call that. This dude is unbelievable. <laughs> he's just like he just you know pulls what, these you know things out of from? nowhere. You know what it's from? No, it's inbreeding. That's oh, is that, it's, oh yeah, okay. it's a genetic mutation from. That's why you see a lot of like Amish people with six fingers because they, you know, they stay within their community. And, wow. And the, the gene pool is very small. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I didn't know that. Yes. So that cat's probably, you know, like the mom and dad were probably like brother and sister or something. Wow. Wow. It's good to know. Yeah. Just a wealth of knowledge. He is. He is. Not all of it use, uh, useful, but he's, he'd be hell on Jeopardy. Mm, I'd do okay. I, I think you would. I'm always impressed. I'm like, wow, this guy knows what he's talking about. Brush up a little on Shakespeare and the Bible and you're ready to rock and roll. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I got my wife messaging me on Instagram. She knows exactly what I'm doing right now. (laughs) Well, we'll keep things moving. And uh, this is another one. This is, uh, again, for John. It's from uh, Chino Villa, California, or CA, I guess that's Chino Villa, California on Instagram. Oh, yeah, I see that. Yep. What's the best wood to make kitchen utensils? Well, this is funny. I'm going to say free wood from <laughs> from Green Street Joinery because Rob and Jeff just gave me a bunch of offcuts that are all about five quarter, sapili, cherry, and maple. Uh, but those are basically the woods that I would use too sapili, cherry, maple, maybe walnut. And uh, basically just sticking with the hardwood. Yeah. Uh, I really, if I had to pick one out of all those, I think I would go with cherry. Yeah, it's kind yeah, of tighter grained. You made that cherry uh, that's, what spatula? That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It looked nice. Uh, oh, you made a spoon too, right? Spoon, yeah, yeah. It's still in use in the kitchen there. Yeah. It, one day we didn't. We started goofing around, and the next thing you knew, we were in a competition. Yeah, <laughs> that's fun. See, I broke, I broke the head off of mine. Like I was, I was almost done. <laughs> We're all, we're all there working next to each other looking, making a spoon. Oh, yeah, I'm gonna put a crook in the neck over here. With no gouges, no, no uh, hook knives, nothing. Like using a square chisel trying to like chisel this thing out. I tell you, for me, with if I'm making like a, a spatula, 90% of it is done with a belt sander. Yeah. It's just easy. And I and I think we talked about this. I think a spatula is probably the most useful. Yes. Yeah. It's just much more useful than... A spoon. Yeah, I don't. I don't use a spoon in the kitchen to cook with. No. Well, I gave my wife a spoon because I gave. Well, this is the thing. I gave my mother a carved <laughs> spoon for Christmas. One of her Christmas gifts, that maybe a year ago. It. 
And if I'm giving my wife, if I'm giving my mother a car spoon, I'm definitely going to give my wife one also. So anyway, I gave a bunch of car spoons out. Uh, we never see ours because she uh, she puts them away and she's going to give them to my daughter. Oh. So so that's kind of a nice thing. My mom yeah. uses hers, and uh, I used that ArborTech ball gouge, and I mm-hmm. really got a good vessel in it. Mm-hmm. And I was over there a couple of months ago, and I was like, "Wow, this is pretty good. It really, you know, really can hold the sauce." Nice. Oh yeah. <laughs> so it's good, but I still will say a spatula is better because you can kind of scrape the. Yeah, like we have one wooden um, spatula like that that has like a real square edge, which is good for like breaking up, like if you're yeah. cooking like ground beef or something like yep. that, or like. Um, I like because it gets in the corners. Yeah, I, I just like a silicone spatula. There, yeah, you're not going to flip an egg with a wooden spatula. No, or well, I'm talking about like, uh, you know what I'm saying, like yeah. uh, like the big yeah. big silicone ended one yeah. that you see in the restaurant. One, yeah, it's white handle, red blade. Yeah, not like a flipper, but like <laughs> okay. Kind of, oh yeah, you, know, like, you can scrape the inside. I got of the you. Oh, oh I, okay. That's, that's my go-to. I got about a dozen of those in silicone. They're, they're, they're like they're the Victoria one, Knox knife. Yeah, one piece so that it doesn't get inside anywhere. Um, you know, they're in all different colors. There's a blue and a green and a red and orange. And they're, uh, I don't know, they're good. Wooden utensils, they're nice to look at. But eh, as a as someone that cooks a lot, yeah. I don't find them very useful. I like them. I like using them and touching them and everything like that. The washing is probably the thing. Well, this is the thing. Like, people will cringe. I put it right in the dishwasher. Yeah. I just do. It's when just, it splits or cracks, then you get rid of it. Yeah. And, like, little breadboards, I make these little pigs, and I just cut them out on a bandsaw. Whoops. And um, they just go right in the dishwasher. Yeah. You know, it just uh, it is what the it is. Dishwasher is yeah. not the same as it used to be. Like, my wife does, didn't want to put anything plastic in the dishwasher. And I said, this isn't the, you know, we have this $1,000 dishwasher. It doesn't have an exposed piece of wire yeah. at the bottom that it, it's going to set the yeah, house on fire or whatever. These things are made to wash everything. They wash everything. Yeah. You know, people wouldn't buy it if it couldn't go in the dishwasher nowadays. Everything's plastic now. So, yeah, um, that was good. So let's keep moving. We got a lot of questions to get to. Uh, you seem to have a great property, John, and you're doing well. <laughs> Did woodworking get you there? <laughs> Little Woodworks NL on Instagram wants to know. <laughs> okay, so when um, my my wife had an awesome job when we first got married, and that really gave us the ability to, yeah. to buy that piece of property. And how long ago was that? Because that makes a difference. Well, yeah. So, and it wasn't as expensive. Like you'd like be, nowadays. I would, you would be shocked if I told you what the price was of the house. Yeah. And we bought that. The, we bought the property because the barn was on it, and yeah. you could not build that barn today. It's mm-hmm. only a few feet off of the, maybe thirty feet off the property line towards the back. And uh, the barn was falling down. We rebuilt it, and uh, I think. We, um, and it was just a great thing. My wife left that job shortly after, uh, we buying the house. And then we owned a gallery for 15 years and that did pretty good. And, um, the majority of my business where I was making the most money was selling original artwork and making frames. Yeah. You're an artist. Picture frames. Yeah. I mean, I've sold paintings for a lot of money. Like 
it's kind of crazy if I tell you what. <laughs> Does your fan base know that about you? I don't think so. Um, so I have I have people who see me on YouTube, and I have collectors. Yeah, yeah. And um, I don't mix it up that much because people on YouTube are not as interested in art as they are furniture. When I quote unquote retire, I'll do more with art. Yeah, yeah. I think I have a lot to teach about art. I think. Um, I think, and I said this earlier, actually, I think the problem with art is most people think of art as something that they've seen on Disney World or, a, mm -hmm. I don't know, back of a van or whatever. I don't know. They're not thinking of... <laughs> a 70s van. Yeah, it's not, you know, there's so much to learn uh, about art. And when you learn about art in the very short our recent history of the American art scene, like going back to the abstract expressionist, it really ties into what's happening uh, or what we are interested in as furniture makers and design. And if you look at the best interior design, it always incorporates original artwork. Mm -hmm. And so I'll look at a, a magazine like Modern Home or whatever, and I'll look at these paintings and I'll think, oh, that's a Franz Klein or that's a Jackson Pollock or a Willem de Kooning. And it's not hard to learn about these artists, and you definitely do not need to go to school to learn about art. All you need to do is really go back to like 1950, 1940. Really, you know what? Just World War II. Yeah. Just go to like 1945 and just, just start to pick it out a little bit, and then that will open up your vocabulary to art, and you'll understand like, oh, okay, this, is, this looks really good you know, in a home. And and I don't mind the idea of art being decorative, right? So some people will say, oh, that's decorative art, like it's an insult. <laughs> and I just care about things that look good. Yeah. You know, is it, if they look good and they make you feel good and the space is inviting, that's what I'm interested in. And even as a woodworker, I'm often not even thinking about the furniture as much as the space how is this going to complete and add to the space? That's what I'm going for. Um, so, so yeah, I work, I work to this day making private commissions. And I, now I don't make any artwork, though, uh, unless it is a commission. Yeah. I won't make anything uh, unless I get a deposit because you just, you know, art's a weird thing. It's like any business. Mm -hmm. It's like furniture. You don't want to start a piece of furniture unless you've got somebody committing to it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah. You, you don't want a whole stack of unfinished canvases. And, and it goes against, you know, what was taught, you know, because what, you know, going back 10 or 30 years ago, the idea was make a body of work, get slides of it. This is before digital. <laughs> and then go ahead or go around and show people your body of work and see if you can get representation. That world doesn't exist anymore, and that's a good thing for artists. Yeah, yeah. That, so. I mean, I started in a similar world where you had to like have a photo album of all your, you know, woodwork. And you bust it open at when you go meet a client. You know, it's like, and they're leafing through like your family album, yeah, just your pictures of your woodwork. Now it's like, yeah, go to the website. <laughs> go to the and, and the beautiful thing about that is like, it's such a personal thing, right? So like. Yeah. You're, sta you're standing there while a client judges is, you. is judging you. <laughs> you know, going through. So now, 
It's funny because my wife is not the visionary that I am. Uh-oh. <laughs> Hope she's not listening. Um, to be the first female uh, listener. <laughs> so, yes, we've been begging for somebody to step forward. When, uh, when, when we were in this gallery business, the, the paintings were really expensive. So you would not... It wasn't the kind of business where somebody walked in and then walked out with a painting under their arm. Mm-hmm. They walked in... They said they liked something, and then either the husband, the wife, or the boyfriend, whoever, went and showed their significant other on the website. And then after that, you would go to their home with the one or two or three paintings that they liked, or artists they liked. The physical paintings. You'd go there. So I'd have to you know, put them in my van. I had a van for the gallery. And go to the space. And sometimes that's New York City, so, and that's a pain in the neck. So your ga- the gallery had paintings from other artists as well? Yes. Okay. Yes. So we would deal with, we dealt with the school of Hans Hoffman mm-hmm. and the school of Edwin Dickinson. This is a whole other story I won't get into. Uh, I think but, we and, touched on it. Yeah, and then, and then my stuff. Uh, so I said to my wife, I said, you know, there's this Photoshop thing where I think I can digitally install artwork in people's homes and they'll see what it looks like and and then then they can get that idea and my wife's like no he's gonna want to do that (laughs) so of course i just went ahead and did it and it changed the business completely so we still have the business but we don't pay the um we don't pay the rent we don't have a physical space and we still work with artists and i do my work i'll meet with designers and architects and i'm the kind of artist who doesn't say no they'll just say stuff like hey can you do this or we like it when you do that can you do it with this material or that color and no matter what they say i just say yes and then eventually i figure it out Mm -hmm. and i'll be driving around one day and all of a sudden the idea comes i make a little model that might be the size of my phone and then i take a picture of that model and the designer sends me a picture of the interior, and I make it whatever size That's it is. Cool. So they'll say, "Here, here, John. Here's the here's the home, and the sofa measures eighty inches wide. That gives me a frame of a frame of measurement that the sofa is eighty inches, and I've got eighty inches between the top of the sofa and the crown molding. Okay, let's make a painting that goes in there. So I'll drop the painting in, change the skew, the lighting." And now the client can say yes or no. And it's kind of similar to what we do. Yeah. Um, we've, we've like dropped designs into photos before. Uh, I wouldn't say that we're very good at it, but um, it's tough with like a two dimensional, two dimensional is a hundred percent different than three dimensional perspective. Like when we did it with the church, with especially the when you're, when you're like, if we had a photo that was dead on straight on, like maybe we could get a, an elevation view of it, but you know, we're not that good at taking photos, so they're always a little bit, a little bit askew. Uh, so trying to fit something in there is hard. But um, like, we'll draw the room in Fusion or SketchUp. Actually, we got a question about mm-hmm. question about that. Um, draw the room, and then the person will be able to see the perspective of how it's going to look on yeah. the on this wall and the you know the doorways there and the windows here and whatever. So. That literally changed business the same way. It, it does, because people can see it. Mm-hmm. And it's funny, like, um, my wife is great, but she just sometimes just doesn't see those things. And I'm like, hey, this is, you know, this is a thing. And now you don't have to go to people's... <laughs> well, that was... that. You, well, you so, were getting paid for that. No, I wasn't getting... Then, and, and the client didn't have to make that decision 
In front of In you. front of me. Oh, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? So if it was my work, that would be one thing. But even if it was a different artist's work, it was still yeah. a thing because they were deciding whether or not they were doing business with me. Mm-hmm. This way, they would get this email. And I mean, I always had this image of like the husband and wife like sitting on the couch and all of a sudden, boop, you know, they're getting a, a notification and they go to it. And there's three or four, I, I would call them drop-ins mm-hmm. from the Laurel Tracy Gallery. And they would just kind of look at them and they could say, oh, I like this one, don't like that one, whatever. Yeah. And so, and I mean, incredible deals would happen with that one little email. And the funny thing is like we talked about this, I don't know if we did talk about this, but like the energy that goes into to a paragraph when you're writing a deal. <laughs> like, okay, oh, how yeah. does this sound? Yeah. I mean, we go back and forth with emails. I'm yeah. like, all right, here's what I got. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Blah, blah, blah. that's that's the the famous preface around here. Here's what I got. Yeah. <laughs> Very we, similarly, <laughs> like I sent off that bid to that place in Nantucket, the the door, and I I had three designs, and I I took screenshots of them all from the same angles, doors open, doors closed, of the three different designs. Sorry, that's not me. Philipson. Hello. Yeah. I'm gonna hit the restroom. Yeah, go ahead. Hello. I'll keep everybody entertained here. <laughs> Hello. So while Jeff's on the phone and uh, John's out there uh, taking care of business. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Phillips and someone just called. Uh, yeah. I mean, I know about the artists that he mentioned only from watching Antiques Roadshow. Because I I've heard those names. <laughs> I only know them from John saying them before. <laughs> <laughs> but John's got a really interesting background in art. I oh, mean, yeah, I, yeah. I don't think it, I, I admire it a lot. Yeah. You know, I do like, I mean, I like all the art that I've seen that John's done. Yeah. And just the ability to create a career as an artist is, yeah, is quite something else in mm-hmm. today's day and age. You know, uh, there's no, no more patronage where people are, are paying you to go to your studio and create yeah. most people are getting it from home goods yeah yeah and um live laugh love <laughs> have you seen those commercials? we gather here <laughs> have you seen those commercials it's like an insurance company where the guy comes in and he says it would it, once you like buy a house, you turn into your parents. Oh yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> Do we need a sign Who to tell reads us books about submarines? <laughs> yeah. To live, laugh, and love. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, we don't. <laughs> Saying most people, you know, they get their art from uh, Home Goods. That's true. I think most people could make their own art. Yeah, I do. I think I would rather see somebody uh, copy a, a, a painting by somebody in a, a museum or whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And at least that that's almost like getting a comprehensive art history lesson. If you're going to try to copy a Matisse, you're probably going to read one or two things about that artist. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'd say copy a Matisse before a, a Picasso. <laughs> Copying a Picasso is sort of like... Uh, I, I saw this really interesting uh, PBS show about Van Gogh, not Van Gogh, uh, Da Vinci couple weeks ago and they were talking about how he would use like 30 layers of really thin layers of paint because they were talking about the restoration processes and now they have these new ways with ultraviolet and different 
ways of examining the layers of paint and how he was so uh, groundbreaking and and to um, authentically uh, repair his work, you had to do these same types of steps. And now they're able to sort of show like what the Mona Lisa probably most likely looked like back in his day. Like we're used to seeing it as this muted sort of painting where in actuality it had more vibrancy compared yeah, to I think I heard something about that. Yeah, it was super, super interesting because, you know, they compare him to artists at yeah. his time period, how they would layer on the paint. And, of course, you know, he was famous for all sorts of uh, breakthroughs, but that was one of them. And they used to make their own colors and everything. Oh, yeah, with egg, with egg, yeah, egg, egg tempera, yolk, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Have you ever seen that guy Baumgartner? It sounds so familiar. He uh, so he's in Chicago, and his whole channel is he's a um, oh yeah restore. Yeah, so he takes in these paintings, and like when he goes and cleans them off, it's insane. Like like you were saying with the Mona Lisa, like it's this kind of flat and muted thing, and then he cleans the painting, and it's vibrant and bright, and I mean really cool. And then he retouches different spots, and it's it's a cool channel. Yeah, that's a whole talent right there. Yeah, and his his channel, I believe, is like pretty big. It's huge. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because, you know, they're like sort of quiet videos and you can just put them on. They're like they're long format, maybe a half hour, hour long. Some of them. I should really watch them, actually, because, you know, you you could definitely learn something from those. Mm -hmm. I think I watched one or two and realized, shit, I don't know what I'm doing. (laughs) (laughs) That's how we felt when we we started looking at Bend in the Wood. But it worked. Yeah. Yeah. Not bad for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so next question. You want to read it, Jeff? Yeah. Uh, I'm getting started in the woodworking business. What's the best way to drum up clients? From mhill427 on Instagram. <laughs> oh, that's a the tough $64, $64, $64, $64, $64, $64, $64, $64, $64, $64, $64, $64, $64, $64, $64, $64, $64, $64, $64, $64, $64, $64, $64, $64, $64, $64, $64, $64, $64, $64, $64, $64, $64, $
We don't have rent. Yeah. So. But how's he going to drum up clients? That's the, that, everybody wants to know that. I don't know. How do you drop, <laughs> drum up clients? It's been a long time. Kick, you got to kick the bushes. Yeah. I yeah. guess you could do Craigslist and Facebook Marketplace. Yeah, I think social media is. Um, oh, there's the answer right there. The biggest driver yeah. of whether it's Facebook or Instagram or it seems like Facebook is a big, um, big place for people that are just getting into it. Um, I see, I mean, tons of people that are like Facebook, I feel is more direct to consumer. Like people are, are striking deals on Facebook where Instagram, like people are maybe finding us on Instagram, but the deals aren't happening on Instagram. They, they follow for a while and then they might go to the website and then maybe they call Facebook. It's like people put up, I make, uh, picnic tables. have a question. Yeah. From a guy like I make barn doors and then people are like, Hey, I want a barn door. Like it's really a, a fast pace. I'm not familiar of, with your Facebook. Yeah, uh, uh, our Facebook is literally just our Instagram. Re, like it just automatically posts. But, but then, are you getting feedback from your Facebook? Not really, but I don't go on it at all. Well, the the thing, the reason why I'm asking is a podcast I've been listening to lately is um, uh, Steve, Chad and Steve have a podcast. Oh, is that Steve um, Steve Ramsey. Ramsey. Yeah. I, I like his. I really like his podcast, and yeah. I find him really entertaining. He's got a great uh, like sensibility. Yeah, he's just got a good sense of humor, and so that's a podcast I've been listening to. And he was saying that Facebook has been huge for him in marketing his online business, his hmm. weekend woodworking class. Interesting. And I think my. I don't do anything with my Facebook either. I basically just do Instagram and it feeds into it. Yeah, that's what we do. And then I'll go to my Facebook and I'll see that I have, you know, a couple of comments. And I'm like, oh, man, I didn't even answer these or I didn't even see them. But maybe that's something I need to pay more attention to. Yeah. It's like anything. We we always go back to this point of view. Like, there's only so much we can do. So we just try and focus on what yeah what is important and what works. So, like, Facebook... It's just kind of there because you get we're there because we have to be, and it's literally just the Instagram feed just goes straight there and and you barely check it. I mean, it comes up. It's like linked to my personal one, so if I go to Facebook, it'll like the if I get comments or something, it'll show up, and I make sure I respond and everything. But I'm not actively doing anything on Facebook that's not already on Instagram. Yeah, I I'll add to uh, M Hill's inquiry. It's your first client is your best bridge to your second client. hundred percent, yeah. And so forth. So you have to, I mean, we do this anyway, but you have to treat each client, uh, you know, as as special as they are. They're, that this is, this is the most important job you're ever going to do. Yeah. And that's going to lead to maybe a second job with that client, maybe a third, fourth, and fifth job, which is not unusual, um, but that's over years. And so you're building a reputation. That's, that's the thing you need to do is, is worry most about your reputation and as you're building your body of work. Yeah. All right. Let's, let's, uh, end there and move on to the next, next group of questions. Look at that. What We're getting got? close to the bottom of page one. Yeah. Oh, this is good. How many times have you cut a piece one inch short? And uh, Dustin, one of our patrons, is asking for a friend. Not that he's ever done that. Yeah, too many times than I care to admit. Yeah, that's 
That's a biggie. <clears throat> the best is after you cut it an inch short, and it takes a while to figure out that you cut it an inch short. You're yeah. like you're still trying to figure out why something doesn't work. <laughs> I know why I've done it. Sometimes instead of holding the tape, right. I hold it at the one inch mark, mm-hmm. and then I cut it an inch, then I you know, mark it an inch short. Yep. Yeah, you burn yeah. an inch, but you yeah. don't add it on. Yeah, that. exactly. Yeah. Burn yeah. an inch. Or the best is when you just misread the tape, you know. Yeah, it's always one of those, what what, what happened there? Right. You know? Yeah. <laughs> you know? I found that, um, and I picked up this tip from Gary Katz, who's like a, a archetypal Finnish carpenter. I always, and it's hard to do over here because we have a very limited space on that side. I always send my tape out to my right so I can mark with my right. I hold the tape in my left hand, mark with my right hand. That way I'm always looking at the numbers that way. Mm-hmm. When you start going to the left and you might go 23 and 7 eighths, you might start looking this way. Wow. I didn't even think of that. That's a good yeah. tip. I'm going to try that. Yeah. yeah. So like if I, when I was doing production you know, right? You were a trim man for a while. Yeah, so. I was a, a finished carpenter for a custom builder. So we're doing, uh, you know, like headpiece casings and stuff where you you might have um, one, two, three, four. I mean, you're talking like 20 cuts on a on a one headpiece if it's mm-hmm. multi part. Um, so you have to get very accurate and you have to pare down your motions and get very um, efficient. Yeah. So I I always. You know, you cut your piece, you slide it this way, you hook that end and mark everything. Waste is always to the left. That's the way I always worked. Yeah. Oh, the waste is always to the left. Always to your left. Yep. So you're holding the piece with your right hand, operating the saw with your left hand? Uh, so I'm holding tape with my left hand, marking with my right hand, and then, yeah, cutting with my left hand. Huh. Yeah. yeah. So well, the short answer for Dustin is never. Yeah, never. No. We never did that. <laughs> <laughs> We don't make mistakes here yeah. at Green Street. Lisa, we edit them out. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. I wish. Just omit them completely. <laughs> we got another one from a patron. This is from our patron, Brad. Uh, came in via email. Gentlemen, I have enjoyed your podcast, which I found since I viewed John's channel as well. What was your process in determining what you would... Uh, sorry. What was your process in determining that you would produce a podcast? Were you all in? What was your lead time before you went live? And then he's got another question. We'll, we'll answer this We're one gonna first. We're going to split though. this one. Yeah. Um, I'm going to move this to do an accurate pour. So our process, we, um, we did a little video with uh, these guys, Moore's Media. Um, they work with a buddy of ours, Mike. At uh, Big Mike's Little Red Store, they do the marketing for him. They, you know, they run his um, his social media and make uh, videos and stuff. So we got in touch with them through Mike, um, and they right when COVID hit, they shot this little like thirty second video for us. Um, Wood don't get sick. It was called. It yeah, was just like a little teaser kind of promo video. Um, so uh, we had a meeting with them. You know, six months ago now, I guess. And uh, we were just talking about, you know, what we could do to, to get the name of the business out there, how to, um, you know, get in front of more people. And something they had said was, you know, you guys should start about or should, should think about, sorry, starting a podcast. Um, and I'm pretty sure we were all in at that point. And then it was like maybe two weeks until we. It was fast. It was as, as fast as we could get the gear to do it. Yeah. Um, that's what I remember. And I also remember thinking, 
who wants to hear us talk? <laughs> and then on top of that was Jeff saying, oh, no, this has to be like at least an hour. I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, we just stick it to like, you know, like 20 minutes or something. <laughs> I'm like, no, a podcast go, can go like three, four hours. It, it took me a while to figure out it's like talk radio and that that's the way my mind wrapped around it yeah. finally it's there, a good thing i like it i yeah. mean it's relaxing mm-hmm. and it's real it's real woodworking yeah, yeah. and if you, you and know, life if you zone yeah. in and out and you miss 20 minutes here it, it doesn't matter because we're just on to another topic and you can just pick up yeah. whereas um you know there's a lot of these episodic sort of podcasts which is maybe more what you were thinking of where right. they're uh true crime stories yeah, I like or those stuff like too. that yeah. but those you really have to be tuned in otherwise you're completely lost if you yeah. you come yeah. in 20 minutes later um yeah i mean <laughs> we're pretty much all in on anything that we do so like we didn't we, we bought a good camera think. we bought good microphones yeah. we you know we said if we're going to do it... Let's just do it. Yeah, so um, I think that's kind of how we approach everything. Yeah, I agree. And then, you know, first episode, we're like, man, we had like 200 people listen to this. Yeah, like, it was it was really shocking. And then now we're up to, uh, I don't know, probably over 1,000 people up an episode. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're probably closing in on uh, 20,000 downloads. So, yeah, what is a down... like? Is it download when you just hit that little cloud there on the I right side? I think if you listen to it, they consider it a download. Okay. Yeah. Because, like, I'll hit download if I'm going to drive somewhere just in case I, like, go in and out or something. Yeah, so you don't take all the... Like, yeah, so I don't yeah. burn my data up. Yeah, so we're getting about, um, like, 700, 800 on the audio version and then another two, 300 on the uh, YouTube version. Nice. Yeah. Now we have Clubhouse. Matt's still tuned in. I don't know. Maybe he fell asleep. And we piggybacked <laughs> off of you, John. Well, I'm happy I could help out a little I bit. Mean, I mean, every, like, every time something we do something with you, we get we can we have a visible bump. Good, good. That's <laughs> what I want to hear. I don't know what that sound was. <laughs> Getting strange phone calls, have weird sounds coming out of my phone. You want to read Brad's follow up? Yes. Uh, so this is Brad's second question. He wants to know. Um, He's a hobbyist, and his shop is unheated, and it's a detached garage. He brings his glue back into the house, and he wants to know what hand tools would we drop in a bin um, to bring you know, into the house to avoid the uh, issues with moisture and humidity. Um, chisels. Oh, he's planes. in the Pacific Northwest, yeah, too. Yeah, thanks again from the Pacific Northwest. So very, very humid out there. Wow. I, I would say just get some heat. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking insulate and heat your your space. Small electric heater will, you know, keep keep your space above fifty degree fifty degrees. Yeah, that or um, if you have a bin, just get some big desiccant. Yeah, uh, packs or whatever you call them, the things that'll suck the moisture out of the air. Mm-hmm. And if it has a good seal, um, even if you want to spend some extra bucks and get like a Pelican case or you know one of the knockoffs, like we keep the camera in like a twenty dollar Pelican. Um, and it seems to do just fine. Uh, I beat the crap out of my camera. I can't believe you put your camera in a case. <laughs> Most of the time, it just sits on the tripod. I was going to say, like... That know. was, again, we go all in, so I'm like, I got to get a yeah. case. Get it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, get, like, even if it's just a Rubbermaid, get some of those big desiccant packs, and you can put your stuff in there and, yeah. and leave them outside. Um, but that'll keep the moisture from going into your tools, and it'll uh, 
should keep them from rusting. That's a great. That's a great tip. Yeah, Lee Nielsen ships all this stuff wrapped in the. Um, I forget what they call it. Armor or something. That paper. Yeah, it's a yeah. paper. It's that, like heavy wax paper. Yeah, it prevents things from rusting. So rather than have to drag stuff in and out all the time. Yeah, just wrap it up and leave it right there. Yeah. yeah. I, I like John's suggestion of it, if it's not insulated. I mean, insulation is fairly inexpensive. And if yeah. if you're you know investing in this hobby, not just in tools, you want to create a space that's that's nice a nice environment to work in mm-hmm. start with insulation and then you know the better insulated the space is the less heat uh you're going to need oh, to yeah. keep it you know at a comfortable level yeah little insulation a plastic vapor barrier yeah you don't even have to sheet rocket if you don't want to a dehumidifier yep there you go yeah but uh the electric heater will will yeah. dry the air out yep. and we're lucky. I mean, it depending on what you have in the house. Now we have a gas heater here, and we're separated from the house. I just dug it. I mean, we we do everything. The hard I way. dug a trench, and you know, did everything I possibly could first, and then had a plumber come in and drop the gas line. Just tied it into the meter at the house, and it, I mean. This stuff's all relatively inexpensive. The the heat system itself, I think, was only nine hundred dollars, and we're we're here in the middle of winter. We're we're getting baked. Yeah, yeah it's we nice. Work, you got great heat here. We work in short sleeves. We're turning the heat down uh, after lunch. We usually turn it up a little bit. Yeah, you get that little <laughs> chill after lunch. Yeah, food <laughs> but, chills. Yeah, food yeah. chills. That's um, what they would call it when I was working construction. Do a little research, see what's available in your area. If you're interested in this ses- this system, it's really awesome. I, it came from Canada. Easy does it. Yeah, it's a, like a closed loop, so um, the dust and the things like that don't affect it because it takes air in from the outside of the shop and exhausts it out the other end. So um, it's a radiant tube, um, super warm. Is it as warm at this end as it is oh, yeah. on that end? yeah. Because I was standing under it before. I was like, wow, this is nice. It gets hot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and when you when you were doing the bend, I was standing there with the camera. Yeah. I was like, wow, this is... An- and if you, uh, like, stand on the table saw or something, it's really hot. Like, yeah. you get close to it. Wow. Yeah, even just up at the ceiling with the hot air rising, it's... I mean, I wore shorts all last year. Yeah. I didn't put pants on the whole winter. Hmm. Yeah. So I'd walk from my truck, whatever it is, 25 feet... Last year's winter and this year's winter were Little two, different. Di- two different things. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy so, this winter. There's a couple of options for you, Brad. Yeah. Let, let us know what you decide to do. We got uh, a good one from our buddy Frank, Carpenter 1-3, right. out in San Diego. King of the ghetto jig. <laughs> uh, how far is John's barn from his house? <laughs> Probably 160 feet. I'm a big fan of Frank's. I learned a lot of stuff from Frank. He's good. Frank is good. And he's a guy like Garrett where he does all kinds of different stuff. Well, he and Garrett, I think, are, are buddies. Yeah, and they're they yeah, they're real yeah. close to one another. Yeah. 160 feet. That's not bad. What what uh what's the shop here to the house? 40. 40? Yeah. Would, I mean you can estimate. I'm thinking the 160 feet, 150 feet. I think yeah. I must have measured it once because yeah. I probably yeah, I'd say four times this. Because so yeah, the house is a little bit further than like where you park and everything. Yeah. 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 It's another good And shot. it's just all happened. That's where the barn was. Mm-hmm. So when we, 
bought the house. I had to put a foundation under it and yeah. being young and strong and, you know, a lot of energy. <laughs> we just jacked it up with car jacks. Yeah. You know, young and dumb. I've done all my young and dumb stuff, too. Yeah. Um, but we jacked it up and hand dug a, a foundation underneath it. And three of the walls had to be replaced, the, the foundation there. And put that in and um, basically gave the barn a facelift. And uh, It looks great. It, yeah, really yeah nice. and then I did a, another facelift to it about a year or two ago because it needed a new roof and some new siding. But uh, I like it. It's just, uh, you know, it's, it is small. It's not a big shop. Yeah, it's a little bit smaller in our place. Much smaller. It's like half the size. Yeah. Really? Yeah, hmm. I would say. Because it's not as wide. What? How? how? It's 24 by 36. Uh, you know, on the outside. Okay. Okay. So I'm like 15 and a half by 31 on the inside. Okay. With that new space that I just took that wall down. Mm-hmm. It used to be an out, outdoor part, um, outdoor covered porch. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's not a huge space. And I have that little shed that's connected to it mm-hmm. for like a finishing room that I'm still working on. Uh, the good thing is... It's far enough away from the house that nobody really comes out and bothers me. I was going to say, it's it's close enough, but just far enough away. Yeah, nobody really comes out there. There was a time here where I had to lock the door. Not for anything insignificant. <laughs> They're like, if I really need you, I'll go out there. But if yeah. it's just like something stupid, I'm not walking all the way out there. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. I, would, I think that this year, well, not even, I don't think my w- wife has been out there once this year, you know, because it's still new in the year, but maybe two or three times a year look at something mm-hmm. uh, but yeah so it's 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 great you know especially yeah. with the whole COVID thing it's like having a space that you can go to work and yeah yeah we're I mean the two of us yeah. three of us we're very lucky really fortunate yeah yeah I mean when I was coming here in um, you know March April May there was nobody even on the road. I know. It was crazy. <laughs> it was actually a pleasure to drive anywhere. It was, well, right across the way here, you know, Route 36 is the is the next block up. And uh, on the other side, the wet side, as we call it, there's a, a commuter lot for the Academy bus where, you know, it goes to New York City. And every day it would be full. Now, even now, it's empty. There's yeah. two cars in there. Yeah. And usually one of them has a for sale sign on it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's it's a changed world. It, it, it is. Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see how it goes back. So my my uh, oldest son is almost twenty four, and so he's going out. You know, and restaurants and bars are now open. Yeah, and uh, I think he went to Rum Runners for Valentine's Day with his his um, girlfriend on Sunday. And uh, you know, you walk in there with a mask and you take your mask off when you get to the restaurant or get to your table. Yeah, it's all sort of just formalities. <laughs> yeah, it's like, just well, a di- we can't keep everybody home, so <laughs> yeah, we're going to make these rules. They don't really make sense. We but- can't bankrupt this entire industry. We're yeah. just going to have to decide that it's okay. Yeah, so it's just um, it's interesting to see. And then my son Michael, he's down in Maryland. He's like, yeah, COVID doesn't exist down here. <laughs> yeah, he's he's so funny. He's like twenty years old. The guy is the happiest dude oh, ever. Good it's like him. those kids are hung over all the time anyway. They don't yeah. know if they have COVID or it's a hangover. I'm or, telling you, I think this, alcohol must kill the COVID. He's Michael is Michael and Walter are driven kids. I mean, they're like those are the guys who are just in Hawaii. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, you know, they saved up, went to Hawaii. And uh, they said basically the same thing out in Hawaii. You wore a mask when you were taking a bus yeah. everywhere. 
And uh, they stayed, I forget where they stayed, but they said it was pretty rough. The area was pretty, pretty rough. Uh, not a place where it sounds like I would want to go to vacation <laughs> with my family. Where the bounty hunter is. And, uh, where the older folks want to go. Yeah. Yeah. So, but they were just going to Pipeline and going to the, yeah. they weren't surfing Pipeline. They were surfing smaller breaks, but they were filming and stuff out there. And uh, they were saying, yeah, it wasn't like that big of a deal. But, you know, I think in certain states it's a bigger deal than others. Yeah. Yeah, it's all about, um, you know, we all take risks no matter what we do in life. It's a risk just getting in your car, coming to work. So you have mm-hmm. to uh, evaluate the risk and make a decision as to what, you know, yeah. what you're I comfortable mean, doing. Yeah, my daughter goes to school uh, two or three days a week and mm-hmm. she does wear a mask at school and all that stuff. But, you know, she's at school with a bunch of other kids and how far apart can they? It is what it is. Yeah. You know. it's, it's all we're figuring out as we go. It'll be nice when things get back to some oh, kind of normal. Please. Yeah, I hey, I heard uh, 13 million vaccines going out in New Jersey this week. So, yeah, Jeff and I are on the list. I'm looking forward to it. I mean, I'm looking forward to being able to travel a little bit easier, go mm-hmm. someplace. My son, Jack, though, who works in New York City, has been working from home since this all started. His whole mindset has changed. I don't know. Like he was thinking about getting an apartment with a few friends. I I think that's completely off the table. Hmm. He's thinking I could work anywhere. Yeah. He's like, why am I gonna yeah. why am I gonna spend that money on rent? I'll work anywhere and go on nicer little, vacations. Little light bulb went off on yeah. top of his yeah. head. Yeah. That's and good for him that he didn't just buy into the. I'm happy about that. The whole well, you hopefully know. you know all these companies don't decide to cut wages because of. You know the commute, less commute, and you know really they're going to be saving money. But um, you know I've heard of some instances of companies wanting to cut people's pay. For I could see you never, you can never, never you know, underestimate yeah. greed. Exactly. On the radio, they were talking about like what's like the dress code going to be now. Everybody's used to <laughs> pajamas. Yeah, like <laughs> is it going to not be so stringent where you know you work in a. Uh, law office and all the you know the men are wearing suits the women are wearing you know everybody's wearing business attire is it going to be like a little more lax now the the funny thing is like i'll ask jack are you on zoom meetings are you on camera because he'll like come up for a cup of coffee or something and i happen to be in the house at the same time and his hair is like out to here or whatever (laughs) and he's like now it's all it's all audio yeah because i just got my earplugs in and he does analytic work for a bank, mm-hmm. and uh, so I I was telling the guys earlier that he works way way too way hard. Too like he doesn't doesn't take a break. He doesn't like when he was working in the office, he would go out and have a cup of coffee or go get lunch. Mm-hmm. Now it's like seven to six every day. Interact with other human beings. Yeah. Now he's just you know they're just loading them. Full of work all the time. They're good like. at that too. They'll keep piling it on until he says enough. Yeah, yeah. He hasn't said enough yet. I mean, he's he's at know. least like you said. He's like he gets paid, uh, you know, overtime. Like yeah. it's not like a salary where they're like, yeah. yeah, you're making this much, and we're just gonna keep loading you up with. So at yeah. least he's getting compensated fairly. Yeah, he he works he works hard. I mean, so that's. That's it. All these people who are still able to work virtually are vir- just so fortunate, you know. Yeah, I think it's it's been good for a lot of people and probably been bad for a lot of people. Because like me, if I let's say I had a I, not that I ever could, but let's say I had an office job and I'm used to going into the office every day and meet having physical meetings and 
Like me, I would be a mess at home. My life would probably unravel. Because when I stayed home, when my sister-in-law and they had yeah. COVID, I had to stay home. It was, I can't see. He was home. coming on, he was coming unglued. Two weeks. I can see that. I can't do it. So like, yeah, what are you going to do with your whole day? Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. I mean, I there's if only. Like, if I could do my work from home, like if I could woodwork from home or my job was something else, maybe I'd be okay. But like, I, I can't be home yeah. five days a week. Yeah. Can you, I mean, I, I'm not the type of person who can just sit at, I mean, the most depressing thing that I could possibly think of is daytime TV. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. The price is right. I mean, that's just. Just the sound of it is like, wow, that's depressing. Yeah. Yeah, I can't do it. I got to. Jeff's a go-getter, too. He's got to be doing something. He's got to have uh, aim and purpose. I have to be making something or, or solving some kind of problem. or. Well, it's a reason to get out of bed. Yeah. That's what it is. It's like everybody's, you know. Some people have a hard time with that. Some Some people are better working for other people. And some people can work for themselves. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. what people usually say well, like when I work by myself, for myself, like you do for 15 years. Most people say, I don't know how you do it. Yeah, that's, I get that. Like, I would be taken off all the time or whatever. And yeah, the opposite is really true. I work Saturday, yeah. half a Sunday, because yeah. you're always worried about. And then if things were slow, you didn't enjoy it because... Instead of relaxing, you were just worried about where that next job would be coming from. Yeah. <laughs> I go to physical therapy on Mondays and Tuesdays for my knee. And, like, they're, uh, you know, talking like, oh, the weekend, this and that. I'm like, I hate the weekend. I'm like, I want to be at work. I, <laughs> I just funny. can't sit around. I, I just can't do it. Like, it's nice to see my my son and my wife. and But there's only so much to do in the house and right now like you can't really go out when you anything. own your own house when, oh, when, yeah. when you I'll be working on it nonstop. when you yeah. have a house yeah. then you'll be busy all the time like for me once the once the warmer weather gets here this is like a little bit of a reprieve for mm-hmm. me now that the yard is covered with snow I can't even like you know do any kind of prep work yeah uh, so I am enjoying that but I'll be busy as can be come. You know, April, yep. just getting ready for the yard. And that's, the, you know, that's the kind of stuff that makes me happy. And I think that's part of like, you know, just realizing, okay, what what do you enjoy doing? Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with enjoying cutting the lawn. You know? Yeah, like I would love to do stuff around the house, but I just can't bring myself to put anything into a place that's not mine. You know 100%. I mean? When you're like renting I, something, it's like, and I know you're looking for houses yeah. right now. Yeah, it's a hard thing for anybody wondering. Last week we talked about it. Dustin actually had the question: Did we get the house? No, fell through. Today we found out, but you know, nothing, nothing we're not used to. My wife and I. Yeah, it's a bummer. Yeah. But something will come around. But that is, that's a bummer because that house sounded like kind of perfect. Yeah, yeah. But they always say like the one that works is the perfect one. Yeah, you know. Yeah, there's another one like literally one block up from us that we went to look at and it's you know 50 grand more than the one that we uh we just um just missed out on but we'll see maybe we can make a lower offer it needs some work in the basement but i don't know i just want something i i want to i want a project that's i think that's what it is. i think uh, i think that whatever you get will be great for you 
Yeah. And great for the property. The sweat equity that I'm willing to put in is because I like I I just like fixing stuff. It gives you a sense of permanence. That's I mean, this is the first house I ever owned or really lived in as uh, an adult. And the sense of permanence is a big thing. Like knowing this is my house. Like I'm gonna live here. If I want to hang a picture on the wall, if I want to paint it, you don't have to ask anybody. I can. So, it it, psychologically it changes you. Emotionally, it changes. I think so. And we looked at a lot of houses, and we had houses fall through. And the one that I was saying that you know the one that works out will be the right one. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's kind of what happened with us. And my house isn't perfect. It's a it's a ranch. Um, but I like it. And it's funny, like I've got four kids and as the kids are, you know, eventually going to move out, well, two of the boys are now in college. Um, it's plenty of house, you know, it's plenty of house and way more, way more property than I actually need. But you got that barn. I got the barn, but I got, I cut the lawn. I, I'm starting to look for other people to do some of the things. Cause I've been maintaining that property for 30 years. Yeah. It's a lot. Or not 30 years, 23 years. What's the, uh, what is it? Like a one acre, three quarter acre? It's just like, I think 1.97 oh, you know, wow. something like that. Yeah. Wow. So just two acres. That's a lot to cut and maintain. And I think when I'm cutting, it's probably one acre. Mm-hmm. If you think of the house and where the trees are and driveway yeah. and things like that. But it takes me a while to cut that. But I enjoy that because I, you know, I, I got a ride on lawnmower and yeah, uh, trimming's a lot, a bit of work. You know, <laughs> weed whack, the weed whacker. Yeah, like you know, our house is. Uh, we're on the wet side and it's the like the low point of the street so it's super wet so like i would go out in the middle of the summer and the backyard is still wet jeez so cutting the grass sucked um and then like weed whacking so i'd be so burnt out wading through this wet grass that it would be like every other week i'm like yeah. i can't i just can't do it this week yeah but you know we'll, well something'll something something will come up and come when through. you get it you'll i'm sure you'll make it beautiful yeah, and then hopefully sell for a profit. There you go. Well, I don't know what the market is right now, but I'm sure it's not low. It's a seller's market. Yeah, it's a bummer. Interest like inventory is low, uh, prices are high, Money's interest cheap. rates are low, yeah. and it's hard to get a mortgage. Sounds like 2006. Yeah. Um, I mean, and you know what happened in 2008? Yeah. That was something else. Yeah. We'll see. It's uh, you know. We've been working at it for five years, so. That'll come around. Yeah. yeah. We're going to build a tiny house and park it out there in the, in the yard. How tiny is tiny? <laughs> Got about a thousand square feet now. <laughs> I think I'd go much smaller than that. Those, there's, um, those tiny houses are, are pretty cool. Yeah. But you they could be a little bit bigger. For a weekend. Yeah, they could be a little bit bigger. Yeah. And then throw a three-year-old in there. Oh, God. <laughs> Give him we, his own house. Should we move on to yeah. the next question? What do you got? Uh, we got one from another patron. This is from our buddy Rich, the guy who sent us the uh, the Pika pencils. Oh, yeah, the, which is in my apron. Uh, it's actually supplanted one of my pencils. Yeah. So thank you, Rich. Uh, if shop space wasn't an issue... And you had the bucks. Would you get a, a, a saw stop with a slider attachment or just get a European slider? 
Well, we have a saw stop with the slider, which I'm quite happy about. Yeah. And my only experience with the slider, the big slider, um, I didn't enjoy. I don't like my position um, in using the saw for anything except breaking down big sheets of plywood. Yeah. So I, I couldn't go with the Euro slider as my only saw. I just don't like it. Um, yeah, I'm going to agree. Like, if I had to pick one, I couldn't have both. I would love to have both. Yeah. Um, That's I, the key. Yeah, I'd go with the saw stop. The slider is king when it comes to plywood. Um, the saw stop deals with plywood pretty well. Um, but the cutting hardwood on the European slider, I, I think, sucks. It's yeah. just, it's too, the saw is too big. You have that big sliding wing so you're standing in a strange spot if you want to cut hardwood it just um i don't like cutting even plywood on it to certain sizes you know it's got that 14 inch blade spinning and you're like out uh, off to the side because of the slider mechanism it's just i've never used orienting yeah um plywood uh, like i said plywood all day i'm gonna pick euro slider hardwood and mix of plywood, saw stop. Yeah. They're nice because instead of uh, hooking the material, the material is behind the fence. Yeah. So, like, you know, the uh, basically it'll have oh, a wow. thing that sticks out eight feet this way. Wow, okay. So this thing, imagine if this came back eight feet that way. Yeah. And, uh, and it's wide. And you push the plywood here. So you could put a full sheet eight feet this way, four feet this way, or vice versa. Straighten up one side, turn it 90 degrees, then you have a square corner, then set your fence, and you can make your cross cuts. It is nice. If you got the space. Blade. A scoring blade, too? Yeah. Wow. But you're it, talking 20, you need 20 feet. Yeah, so if you have the space, great. Yeah. You know, the space, the space and the money. Yeah. You know, have both. Yeah, like a, an Altendorf, you know, they have the digital controls. So you say, I want the blade at three-inch rip. Uh, blade height of inch and a half and a two degree bevel. You plug it in, the fence moves, yeah. the blade moves. Wow. Yeah. That's getting pretty high tech. Yeah. I, th- I think that's too high tech for me. <laughs> for me what too. we do, yeah. Yeah. But they're cool. I like the Makita track saw. Yeah. <laughs> I do too. I'm going to get that. It, you know, we said it before. We always go back to like, what can. What do we do and what can we use to get there? Yeah. Like, I think we have a pretty good system. Yeah, we do. We do. For what we do. Right. Maybe not for what everybody else does, but um, if we were making frameless cabinets like we did at Tom's shop. Tom, I know you're probably listening. um, Then a slider would be what we used. Even he had uh, two unisaws. Um, Right, exactly. I found myself going back to that. That one with the with the wonky uh, blade lowering thing on it. Yeah, um, yeah. Like the the euro is good for big big cuts and then small cuts. Maybe it was just his saw, but small cuts always felt a little yeah, sketchy. not as comfortable. Yeah. yeah. 